Don't use that video. Yep. <laughs> it's like a Frankenstein rat. That's good. Oh, yeah. Do the noise. It's the Michael Jackson thriller rat. <laughs> yeah. Hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode number 34. 34, yes, indeed. Once again, I'm joined by Mr. Richard Morgan. Hello. Hi, Vlad, and welcome back, everybody, watching or listening. It's a wonderful Friday, and we're all going to have a great weekend. So settle in, and this show's going to be a good one. I know that already, because I know what we're going to talk about. Yes, they did. Did you find your inner rat yet? Were you able to channel your inner rat? I've already today? channeled it. I mean, I've been channeling my inner rat for a long time, but today it's become an outer rat. I'm full on rat boy now. <laughs> External rat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those. Yeah, as Rich mentioned, thank you so much for watching and listening and subscribing and liking and commenting and all of those things. As always, this show is available here on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Podbean as well. And if you are interested in a particular topic, there's timestamps in the show notes as well on all of the platforms. So you can jump around and listen to your favorite segments first or last or anything in between as well. And before we dive into the recent happenings thing, I just quickly want to mention that uh, catpickstudios.com slash discography, that's by the way a difficult word for me to pronounce. I have a discography page now that actually shall be updated fairly soon with some more stuff. But if you ever wanted to check out some of the projects I've been involved with, uh, they're here. They're kind of in uh, reverse chronological order right now. So the newest one is here at the top. And then there's my album, some cover stuff, uh, some stuff from my old band. And I'll be adding more stuff here soon as well. So yeah, if you're interested, check it out. And there might be some biggish updates coming uh, for Catpick Studios in general in the future, but they're still in the kind of pre-production phase, if you will. So that's enough for the teaser. <laughs> because have you I considered I'm changing to... your name to Rat Pick Studios? I haven't yet. Just out of interest. And actually, yeah, out of interest. Yeah, because actually, yeah, you reminded me of the second thing that I was supposed to mention. Uh, so last week I gave you like a cat update and I have some happy news to tell that like the older cat that was sick is still doing way better. And we found her a new home. Uh, this old lady, a uh, couple of hundred kilometers away from where we are, she was extremely excited to adopt that cat and give her most likely a final home. And she's an old cat owner. She really knows what she's doing. And yeah, I couldn't have thought of a better ending to this whole cat saga. As I mentioned last week, we were ready to put her down, but things changed. She's doing better, and our older cat will be finding a new home soon. And there's chance that 
the younger cat will also be moved pretty soon to someone that's actually pretty close to us, like a family member, so she would kind of stay in our circles even, though she won't be living with us anymore soon. So, yeah, I'm happy. That is good news. And the cat saga is, comes to it, a happy end, so... Exactly, nice. the cat saga. <laughs> Cats part one and two, no. Have you seen the Cats, the movie, by the way? The I haven't seen the movie. In. I've heard it's absolutely terrible, but actually <laughs> I remember there was a musical version. Well, I guess the original Cats was a musical, right? And yes. Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. And yeah, when I was a kid... We did lots of like car trips on holiday and stuff. And one of the cassette tapes, which we had in the car back then, was the Cats musical, which our parents used to sometimes play for us. And mm. I thought it was pretty good. Like some of it was pretty catchy. My favorite was a guy called, sorry, a cat called Magical Mr. Mistopheles. <laughs> I can only remember a couple of lines from the song now, but I'm probably going to go have to have to go back and listen. But Regarding the movie, I've heard it's one of the greatest sins ever committed to cinematic history, so I probably shan't be watching that. Yeah. The the only setting where I do want to watch it is invite a bunch of friends over. Like, the friends, like, none of us have seen the movie, and then we would watch it together. I think that would be a hilarious experience. Like, some good food, few drinks there as well, and then watch it with, like, a group of friends. That would be a lot of fun. Otherwise, <laughs> it looks like garbage. Yeah, I guess it's the kind of thing you could have on while you're, you've got good company around and you can just occasionally look at the screen and just laugh at the, the yes, awfulness exactly. of it. But, you know, yeah, I mean, exactly. I say this without having watched the movie. It could be a misunderstood masterpiece that in 10 years will <laughs> receive kind of a, a late given Oscar or something. But I doubt yeah. it. Yeah, I, I kind of doubt it as well, but you never know. Yeah, but yeah, that's enough about cats, both uh, screen on-screen cats and in-home cats, something like that. Let's jump to recent happenings and talk about some other creatures, uh, more specifically rats. Yeah, we're talking about rats, and first of all, we're doing a new thing. We are diving into rumors. So we need to probably do like some sort of separate intro for all the rumors and unverified sources type of thing because <laughs> we found this uh, thread on fredboard.co.uk where somebody was able to walk into Guitar Guitar in Camden. Actually, I think in I've, London? I've been into that store. I'm pretty really? sure. Really? I've, I've never been. Uh, yeah, because I've been in London a few times, and one of the times we took a trip to Denmark Street and checked out some of the stores there, and I think I've uh, been yeah. in Camden okay. quite, quite a lot as well, so... Uh, yeah, but basically somebody was able to walk into the store, and he saw a JHS labeled Black Rat Pedal <laughs> that hasn't been announced yet. As of shooting this show, it hasn't been announced yet, and if we scroll down a little bit... Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Where was the picture? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I have them over here. There it is. There's a black rat pedal. Well, to be specific, there's a white rat drawn on the black pedal, and it looks like Indeed. 
Is it the bone side? Yeah, it looks looks like... like, Yeah, yeah, the bonsai, exactly, which is like... Is it seven or eight? Or maybe even nine Tube Screamer models? And they also have another pedal called the Muffaletta, which does the same thing with Big Muff circuits. Is it maybe nine of them? Yeah. And this pedal... Well, it's it looks legit. I mean, I'm saying it looks legit. I've since done a bit of research elsewhere and found out that it is. It's it's legit. You know, this is a pedal which oh, yeah. exists. We're recording this on Thursday, and I believe that the pedal will be released on Friday. I talked to yes. a couple of people that I know, including someone who works in retail, and I believe this pedal will be released on the 29th of October. And so, yeah, Ooh. it looks like there is a new rat from JHS. Which is super cool because I love rap pedals and I know that Josh from JHS loves rap pedals. They've done a bunch of different rap mods before. You know, they would take Proco rats and mod them. I don't know if they've ever made their own JHS rap pedal before. You know, a JHS branded pedal? But mm. they have now. And it's called the Pack Rat and it has nine different rat circuits in it. And it basically has four controls. So you've got the standard volume gain and filter controls that you'd have on a normal rat, plus you've got a a nine-way rotary switch, which gives you nine different voicings of different rat models. And I assume that you'll have like the old big box rat, you'll have models like the turbo rat, maybe new dirty rat, there'll be rats from different companies, and probably the JHS mods and a couple of other things that we don't know about as well. It looks super cool. And what's cool about these JHS pedals is that they have all these different voicings of a classic pedal but it's not modeling or anything like that. It's all analog. And apparently you're just, you're activating different parts of nine different circuits as you flick through them. So it's, it's effectively nine different pedals in one, which is exciting. As I said, I love rats and I'm very excited about this one. Yeah. Personally, the only issue I have with this is that it's about like six too many rats in one pedal for me. (laughs) That is a problem. It's it's a lot like, uh, someone who has, as I mentioned a show or two ago, like I've had at least one rat copy, which had like two different modes. And I think it was also switching between like two different circuits. That was a lot to go through already because like it's not only the different kind of circuits, but it's also, you can do so much with the gain volume and filter controls already. And then when you pair them with different guitars, it also sounds different. So yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Option paralysis That's- for me. Yeah, I but mean, then again, yeah. The Rat is a super versatile pedal anyway. I've got about, I think, five or six, ranging from the super cheap to the not so cheap. But I think nothing as expensive as this one is probably going to be. We don't know pricing yet, but I suspect in Europe it'll be at least 250 260 similar to the Bonsai and the, the Muffaletta. But yeah, it's like with one Rat pedal, the Proco Rat 2, the original and best, the classic, which costs about 80 euros or 80 dollars. You can do everything from like a pushed clean tone to a light overdrive to a thick crunch, medium high gain drive to all out distortion and pretty crazy fuzz. So yeah, you've got that with one pedal. You have this multiplied by nine in the JHS pack wrap, which is amazing on the one hand. But like you say, I mean, if I was to get this pedal, I'm pretty sure I'd just not be playing that much music and I'd just be tweaking between the rats to see which one I like best. So it's like, in a way, this is the perfect thing if you have enough money to afford it and you're looking to get into the rat business and you want to try which would be best for you, try one of these pedals, 
and then flick through them and say, oh, okay, I like the sound of this one best. I'll try and track down that one. Yeah, but I don't know. That's true. Or from like a what studio perspective. I think would be super cool yep. would Great. be if you could use two at once, which oh, I guess true. is probably not going to be possible. I mean, rat stacking is quite a chaotic experience, but some people love it. <laughs> but both with pedals and the real ones as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Red stack. So this yeah. looks like a pedal that I, I think it will be extremely popular. Although yeah, you know the, the, the original Proco Rat 2 being eight, thirteen, twenty-four, probably about a third of the price means that they have they have some competition in that regard. But you know, JHS these days, for me they're almost more of an amazing YouTube channel than a, a pedal company. <laughs> and I also read I think on the forum, the fretboard forum, that this is the first new JHS pedal since they released the more affordable 3 Series. So it's been quite oh. a while since they've even released a new pedal and a new original pedal. Not that you can really call this an original pedal because it's just a bunch of rats, but there you go. Shout out to the fretboard, by the way. I have been a, a member of that forum for many years now. I don't post often on there, but I, I read it a lot. I get a lot of my news about the industry there. It was previously the Music Radar Forum, which I was also a member of back in the day. But oh. at some point, Music Radar closed their forums down and it migrated to the fretboard, which was set up by some of the regulars from the Music Radar one. And now it's like an independent thing. And I spend way too oh. much time just hanging out on there watching the uh, the for sale guitars and pedals. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we have a finished version of that forum as well and I still like check stuff that's on sale and it's also a great place to sell things I used to be super active there I just don't have the time anymore yeah. but yeah I mean from a studio perspective this is a cool pedal to have like uh, let's say you're working on a mix and you go like okay I, I kind of wanted like maybe this kind of fuzzy distortion type of thing so I rat sound basically and then you can actually like go through all of these different circuits and see which one sits in the mix the best. Because like I love the approach of getting as like mix ready sounds as possible recorded in the it, software I'm working with because like less stuff to mix. If it's more mix ready right away, like I bet mean, there's at least some differences between these, like both like bass wise or high-end wise and stuff like that so there's that but then again scrolling through all of them uh, i don't know it looks fun it has an amazing novelty value i think to do that once or twice and after that you'll settle on the one or two that you prefer <laughs> and <That's> true <laughs> and just go from there <laughs> that is true 100 i felt the same about the bonsai which i didn't own but i tried a couple of times. I'd love to try the muffaletta as well, the, the muff. But with the bonsai, it's like, it's just a bunch of slightly different tube screamers, you know? And I've never been the world's biggest tube screamer user. And I like all of the tones, but at the end of the day, I just picked the one which I liked the best, which was, is there a TS-10 on there? I can't remember. It was, it was a while ago. But I found that one and I would have just left it at the settings that I liked. And in that context... Mm -hmm the pedal wouldn't have been worth it for me other than for the super cool factor. It looks great. I love the look of it. I love the look yeah. of this one as well, with that cheeky little rat on it. Kind of reminds me of me from the thumbnail of this video, assuming you've picked a good one, but... 
Should I Photoshop red eyes on you as well? Yes. Oh, look, I've got a t-shirt with a, a red and black mammoth on it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Click the wrong button. <gasps> Exciting times. Exciting times indeed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, that looks nice. Um, yeah, who do you think is the main target audience for this pedal? Bearing in mind <clears throat> that there are so many rats out there. I mean, just last week or two weeks ago now, Harley Benton announced its new range of mini stomp pedals. I got the Rodent, which was their rat copy. So you can get a rat from 20 euros upwards, you know? I think, yeah. 220 pounds, apparently. 220 pounds. Yeah, here I have the Gria on my desk in front of me. This is a, a US made boutique one from Gria pedals who are more famous for the the light speed overdrive this is about 230 euros this has the lm308 chip in it you know the famous rat chip that the old ones used to have in that people say makes them sound better you've got the original and best this is actually all coincidence but i have the rat here as well so this is the original rat well this so is the rat too, the second the second one but that started it all kind of thing and yeah 220 pounds for the JHS pack rat, that's going to be 270 euros, maybe. That's a lot. I'm not 100% sure where it fits in, apart from for people who are mega fans of JHS. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, speaking of rats, uh, I'm just going to dig up a video. There you go. Like this. And just a second, please. But yeah, like another kind of rat type of thing, because we're talking about Walrus Audio. There you go. Let's put this up here. Pause the video for a second. Yeah. Walrus Audio has also released something rat-ish, I guess. Iron Horse version 3. And is that a rat as well? I think so. No? So, yeah, it's, it's, their, it's their version of the of rat, thing. yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly the same, but it is a rat pedal. Cool graphics. It's it's a horse. That's the difference. <laughs> Thanks. Didn't the notice. The rat. That's, not the, the, that's not the new V3 in that picture, is it? Oh, let's see. It's not. No, yeah, the V3 has four knobs. And that's the exciting thing about it. It has four knobs. Ah, there's a blend so, knob yeah. now, right? Exactly, yeah. And what it lets you do is you've got the standard rack controls, filter for tone, gain, and level. And on the second row there, you have a, a knob that you can twist from silicon to LED, which just alters the, the clipping and the way it breaks up. And there is a wonderful demo by our good friend Eirik from Living Room Gear Demos, which I think we're looking at right now on the yes. screen. So go listen to that. He makes it sound great. He's an amazing riffer, is Eirik. And yeah, unfortunately, in a way, it's a little bit hard for me to get excited now about the Iron Horse version 3, having just talked about the JHS Pack Rat. But the Iron Horse has a very good rep in its own right. It's supposed to be a great pedal. I've not tried one. But Walrus Audio makes great stuff. And I bet this is really cool too. The silicon LED clipping knob is kind of cool. It's also, it's sort of doing something a bit similar to what the JHS pedal does as well, I guess. 
I'm yep. interested to try it again. So there's two rap pedals already, and we're we're already two items into the show. <laughs> yeah, a lot of rats in this one. Uh, what it's, do you think again? Of, like uh, an unfortunately timed release for them because it's come yeah. out just a couple of days before the JHS pack rat, which will take a lot of the plaudits. And if someone has 200 odd euros to spend on a rat pedal, and I believe the Walrus Audio Iron Horse costs over 200 euros, am I right? If you've got that much money mm. to spend, you might then decide to say, okay, I'll spring for the rat instead. The JHS rat, I mean. Yeah, I'm trying, it's uh, 189 at the moment. So it's actually oh, okay, a bit so. cheaper. Yeah, so a bit cheaper than I thought. So that differentiates it price-wise from the JHS pack rat. So that's cool. Yeah. Actually, I'm not able so to pe- find the third version on sale just yet. Okay, interesting. So people watching this, would you buy the Walrus Audio mm. Iron Horse, the JHS pack rat, or some other version of the rat pedal? Let us know in the comments. I think it's a very interesting discussion. The rat market is very saturated right now. There are so many cool options when it comes to rat sort of pedals, you know. So many rats. So many rats, so little time. Exactly. Uh, what do you think of, like, I think Wallstar Audio and a few other companies do, like, version 2, 3, and so on of their pedals. What's your take on that? Because I have kind of mixed feelings about that. <laughs> I... Yeah, it's. I guess I'm also ambivalent about it. I mean, I think from their perspective, they they create the original, and then they get feedback and realize we could make it better by doing this, and then a Mark II comes out, and then they get more feedback, yeah. or they create something else that they think would be cool, or they see another brand that has innovated and decide to go in that direction a bit as well, and they bring out a third one. So from a company perspective, it's evolution. It's like the next iPhone or whatever, but... From a yeah. consumer perspective, it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure it's ever happened to me with guitar pedals or anything, but it's kind of like if I just bought the V2 a couple of weeks ago and now this one came out, I'd be really frustrated. Yep. I assume you could send it back if you just bought it, but it's like, I don't like that. And I, I remember when working... For various companies in the industry, I've I've worked for amp companies and guitar companies before, and with both of those companies, I remember being involved in the release of products and also running the social media pages and getting messages from people saying, hey, six months ago I bought the previous version of this product, can I swap it? Or why didn't you tell us that you were going to release it? And from mm. a brand perspective... I felt very sorry for those people from a personal perspective too, because I know that if that happened to me, it would it would suck. It would be really, really annoying. But from the perspective of a company, they're just they're making stuff that they want people to buy. And it's unfortunately bad luck for people who buy the V2 of this just before the V3 comes out. Yeah. So it's a real it's it's got its downsides, it's got its upsides. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing the upside is is like What's the word? I don't know. Winning here or something like that because... Oh, there you go. Hello, Eirik. Oh, it's Eirik. Uh, Looks very serious. Indeed. Let's, let's pause here. I'm sure he'll appreciate <laughs> this. 
It's a flattering this very train moment to pose where I pause. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, like my guess is like the positives outweigh the negatives here because otherwise they would probably stop doing that. And yeah. Well, I mean, companies I, also have to keep releasing new stuff. If Walrus yeah. Audio didn't release that new version of the Iron Horse, there's plenty of newer rat type pedals out there that other people would buy. You know? Yep, exactly. Because pe people go through rat pedals, you know, with effects pedals. Yeah. There are some older ones that people really want to have. For example, the older Big Box Rat, or at the moment, the current pedal that is going for massively overinflated prices is the, the Tube Screamer TS-10. Mm. And there are things like the Clon Centaur, which now you can pay $5,000 for if you're, a, if you're a raving lunatic. But um, with pedals, generally, people tend to go for new ones, and they tend to wheel and deal a bit more. Again, it's different with guitars, you know. People people want vintage guitars in a lot of cases if they can find them. But with pedals, it's like you, you flip them, you get the new one, you flip that. You might buy it back at some point, you flip it, and so on and so on. It's good that there are so many amazing choices as someone who loves pedals to, to go out and buy many different things, but it's an expensive hobby to have, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, from pedals... Guitars. Fender has released uh, oh, such a made in Japan traditional 60s jazz master with wide range humbuckers. Had to read it because it's a handful to remember <laughs> like the order of words, how to say it. But ah, this looks cute. Yeah, I'm a fan of jazz this masters. This looks lovely. Wide range. Wide range humbuckers are really cool. That's like it's a different kind of sound. I like it a lot. Uh, what does this uh, C U N I F E stands for? I am not even trying to pronounce. pronounce yeah, I it. actually, I I don't know. I have to admit that I just know that that I don't even know how to say it. I'm gonna go with Kunafe. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I assume the F E stands for Fender. And I assume the rest, the other two, maybe the CU and the NI stand for the uh, the person who designed them, maybe? Or it refers to the something to do with the frequency range or something? Cunifé. <laughs> if, if it was French, it would be Cunifé. But um, yeah, they, they have a, a yeah. rep as being some amazing humbuckers. And I think at the moment, it's not possible to buy a Fender Jazzmaster with these pickups in over in Europe no, or I, in America. And this is a Japan-only model, so it's... Yeah, I did just just check that you can buy the humbuckers, but they're like 150 euros a piece, not the pair. A piece. Yeah, exactly. They're very they're very pricey. They're great humbuckers, but this guitar is Japanese price, so it's about 1,200 pounds or euros, and it comes with a rosewood fretboard. What's that all about? Yes. You know, broken Finally, record that I am. Yes. Yeah, I, I talk about it every week when we have a new <laughs> guitar which has like Pal Ferro or Indian Laurel on it, and I say I'd love it with a rosewood board. So it is possible. So this is a really beautiful looking guitar. Imagine if they did some slightly more exciting finish options too. Like that would pink sell like or more cakes. pinks. Yeah, more pink. That would be uh, rat tongue pink. I think that would be the perfect more finish. Pink. More pink. Yeah, or just, just something a bit out there, you know, because I think a lot of offset guitars these days are played by people who play like atmospheric indie and stuff like that. And yeah. they, they make interesting noises. 
and a lot of those people probably want possibly a slightly more interesting finish than a is that a two-tone sunburst vintage oh it's a three-tone mm, that's sunburst. a three-tone okay. there's yellow yeah. red and black yeah i mean that's beautiful it's very vintage but with the humbuckers in yeah mm. lovely but japan only as the article great. says oh damn it yeah that's the problem i mean I believe quite a few people will be taking the risk to bring these over to, to Europe or North America, and I yeah. really believe that Fender should make more. You know, it's like the Fretboard Forum, which I read a lot and which we mentioned earlier when talking about the JHS rat. There's often threads on there where people have noticed that there's some amazing Japanese Fender model coming out, mm. and everyone loves it. And you kind of think, this would be amazing if it was made available over over in Europe or in the UK, where the majority of fretboard users are based, for example. I wonder why yeah. Fender are building so many super cool but slightly niche models in Japan and not making them available worldwide. Yeah, my guess would be like, well, right now there's still a lot of shortage in just supply chains in general. Maybe that affects it a bit. And also, I bet Fender has done their market research so they know what's selling where and how like how well so as yeah i mean a company I guess, as big I guess as they are right. yeah they they definitely do their market research and like know exactly how much of something should be produced where it should be sold and so on so yeah i mean fender I know what they're doing and yeah, they are definitely. kind of spoiling us worldwide as well with oh, the amount yeah. of new guitars that they do release i mean we've just had the Fender Player Plus range, which had a bunch of different guitars and also bass models in it. So it's like, they're doing good stuff for us. But when you yes. see these beautiful Japanese creations, which are just out of reach to us, it's like, uh, if only the Nam show was in Japan <laughs> and we could all go there and just bring one home on the plane. Oh, oh I'd love that. I so, be amazing, like one of it? my goals is to go to Japan. At least yeah, me once. too. Oh, man. Yeah. Maybe one day we can do a show from there. That's a good oh. excuse to go, right? Yes, exactly. Cat Big Fridays in Japan. <laughs> I, I'm already hearing the intro music for that. Yeah. <laughs> More Fender <laughs> stuff. Because Fender has released the uh, dual marine layer reverb and dual, dual is that, that's pugilist. That's how pugilist. Distortion pedals. Yes, pugilist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically the bigger versions, very kind of, dare I say, Strymon-looking versions of a couple of their pedals. And we've talked about the Fender pedals before. There's the cool detail where the kind of the pointer of each of the knobs can be laid up and stuff like that. And now there's a bigger version of these. The marine layer, for example. <laughs> with more knobs that light up. With, yes. It's bigger, more knobs, more of everything. There's a separate sustain control now, which looks interesting. And you so can like actually, looks like you can switch, switch between two different reverb. reverbs. Yeah. Mm. You can switch between two different reverbs, which is cool. And those have indi individual settings as well. Yeah. And there's two different distortions on the Pugilist as well. So, yeah. Just more. Of everything. I really find these Fender pedals 
interesting. Yeah. Partly because, in another way, I don't find them interesting. You know? <laughs> I uh, guess what you're saying. I've tried the reflecting pool, I've tried the marine layer, I've tried a couple of the others. They're good pedals, but for some reason, they don't have... You mentioned Strymon. They don't have the same sort of excitement level about them as Strymon have, for example. And I think maybe that's exactly yeah. what Fender are going for. These pedals sound yeah. great. They're no no frills. They do what they do. They're made decent. They have that cool little battery compartment where you can flip it out if you use a battery. Yep. And they're very usable. I, I would be really interested to know how many are sold of these. Probably they sell a ton. Yeah. But yeah. just this is the kind I'll, of pedal which is not so exciting for gear demo <laughs> channels, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. I, like. I just, I also want to draw our attention to a brilliant joke that Fender have made. If you scroll up on the page there, you'll see that we have the dual marine layer reverb. Okay. D U A L. Yeah. If you scroll down to the other pedal, you'll see that we have the dual pugilist. Now, for those of you not familiar with the word pugilist, that's another word for a boxer, a pro boxer. Ah. And then we've got dual with a D-U-E-L because it's like two pugilist boxers fighting. So someone at Fender, as we say in Germany, had a clown for breakfast. <laughs> I don't remember that say. What, what was it in German? Like, in, actually German. I would ask that person, hast du ein Clown gefrühstückt? Did you eat a clown ah, for breakfast? Because you're funny. I might have heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. So that's cool. Yeah. Music yeah. radar, I've noticed it as well. So that's, uh, yeah. Nice idea, though. I'm, the Pugilist Distortion is, is kind of a cool pedal. I mean, I'm not really that much of a distortion person, <clears throat> aside from the rat, but it's nice. I, w I would be interested yeah. to try this one just to see what you can get in terms of versatility from the two different options. Are you aware if you can stack the two sides? You have them both on together? Mm. I guess you can. Let's see. Uh, ah, yeah, see series mutes and parallel modes. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. So, yeah. That makes a lot cool of Cool pedal. Sense. You know, yeah. they've, they've put all the different usage scenarios into it. And like we said when we talked about the guitars, Fender know their market, they know what they're doing, they know what they're thinking about. These pedals will be priced probably very well, you know, in a kind of affordable mm. range compared to some of the more boutique ones. Yeah, I think Good the on price Fender. was $229 a piece, so 200-ish oh. euros, maybe even a bit less. Yeah, you know what? That's not that affordable, nope. especially for a distortion. For a, a reverb these days, you, you <clears> kind of expect to pay that much. Yeah. You know, a Strymon Big Sky is about, what, double that maybe? 450 Closing in on 500 euros or something like that? Might be even Some 600 of the big nowadays. Really? Yeah, so there you go. So this I'm is not, more affordable uh, than that, but still. Yeah, way more affordable. Yeah. Definitely something I would like to try. And yes. as, I, as I said, something that you don't see too often on places like YouTube, so you need to search them out in person to test them out. Yep, pretty much. All right, let's jump to the last... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's been a good week for new gear, hasn't it? Indeed. Yeah, I'm interested to see whether things will ramp up even more before we hit like Christmas time, because 
it's a good time to release stuff. Makes a lot of Ten sense. Years. So it's that. Uh jumping to the next one, Thoman. Or I don't know if Thoman is the kind of thing behind this, but um they announced this thing called the Grand Jam. And for us two, it looks awfully close or similar to something we've both attended. And it's actually the same damn place as well. The Rockin' 1000. If you know what, don't know what the Rockin' 1000 is, it, the basic idea is that musicians from all over the world come to this one place and create a huge, huge band and play cover songs like a full night set worth of cover songs. And that's exactly what we did a couple of years ago. Two years ago, three years ago. 2019, basically. 2019, yep. Yeah. And this looks like this looks and sounds exactly <laughs> the same thing at the same place where we were playing that. So uh yeah, interesting. I Yeah, it's the same the same event at the same place, organized by different people. Effectively. Yep. And it says powered by Toman, so from that we can mm. conclude that Toman is not the main organizer, but they are, you know, the branded sponsoring partner, so they'll be supplying a whole bunch of equipment for the show. I remember in 2019, I was working with Hughes and & Kettner and also HK Audio, the PA company, and we were also named brand sponsors. And yeah, so the idea behind the show is that if you play guitar, bass, drums, keyboards, or if you are a singer, you can apply to be in one of the members of this band, which will comprise of about a thousand people. And you get to, if you're accepted, go down to the stadium for a week, rehearse a bit, and at the end you play a show in front of, they're saying, 25,000 people, which, again, would be exactly the same as what we did with Rocking 1000 a couple of years ago. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, I just checked, like, Rocking 1000, like, that brand still exists, but they're not doing anything in Germany. Uh, next year, but they do, I think they did have something going on in France instead. Yeah, Maybe Rocking 1000, they're Italian, I think, the main organizers. And yes. Yeah, they, they did do some events in different countries. Of course, they were hampered by COVID happening. So for the past sure. couple of years, it's been really difficult for them to do anything. And now it looks like with this Grand Jam that someone else is taking over and are going to do something in 2022. Yeah. I feel like for Toman, that is an opportunity for them to really get out there. Oh yeah, definitely. And supply a whole lot of people with a whole lot of gear and show off a lot of their brands. I remember when we were yeah. there with you and about 20 YouTubers, we all took Hughes and Kettner amps there. And if you look at the footage from the gig the first two rows of the guitar players, it's just you guys with these yeah. bright blue Hughes and Kettner amps. And it looked amazing. Yep. In terms of like how successful that marketing was, how many people saw that and went out and bought a Hughes and Kettner amp, I don't know. It's impossible to measure that, but it looked amazing. So it was a cool experience. It was also a really, really stressful week for me looking after you and 20 YouTubers. It was like being a kindergarten teacher for some of the time, but it was an amazing experience and I also have mixed feelings about this event. We need to find out more about it to find out if it's related yeah. to the other event at all. But 
I mean, if it can happen, you know, a big gig next year, 25,000 people, it's going to be amazing for everyone who attends. You know, live yeah. music is coming back and this is going to come back in a big, big way. So wishing them success with it. I don't think we'll be taking part, will we? No, I I doubt it. I think it's... Uh, I okay, maybe Duke Guitar like, can get on as a sponsor. Oh, we that's can provide true. one amp one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel it was like a once-in-a-lifetime experience and I'm happy with that. That's enough for me, at least. I'm not going to yeah. say that it is a regret of mine, but originally it was planned that I would also perform during that concert with you guys. But when we got to Frankfurt and it realized, it became very apparently obvious that there was no chance that I was going to be able to rehearse with you yeah. guys and then play the gig because I just had to organize so much stuff and just be on call and make things happen because a lot of stuff wouldn't, ha wouldn't have happened if me and the, the rest of the H&K team hadn't been there. Yeah. And I, I was just about to mention that we were difficult to look after. Oh, I understand. Yeah, you guys, like the egos I know. on these YouTubers. Egos, I, it's exactly. terrible, like having to walk 200 meters from the car park to the stadium, having to rehearse for a couple of hours a day. Ah, oh, stressful. <laughs> Not getting food. These guys want to be Immediately. fed. I mean, come on. That's so arrogant. But actually thinking about the food, do you remember as well in 2019 that after one rehearsal, we bought some boxes of pizza for you guys? Yeah. And we brought them into the stadium and we brought them over to where the 20 or so of you guys were stood and we started handing it out. And then the other thousand people who were also rehearsing all sort of swarmed across a bit like rats, actually. Hungry, hungry rats because they just hadn't been fed and there was no chance to buy food there at the event. It was really weird. So I hope yeah. that the guys organizing the Grand Jam bring loads of jam that people can spread on bread and enjoy some food while they're there as well because it's very important. You yeah. Gotta eat. No, no, I was just said that they need to bring like a huge, huge bottle of jam there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is a so, marketing opportunity for any it, for any jam manufacturer out there who wants exactly. to be the Grand Jam. They can it, be it. <laughs> the Grand Jam at the Grand Jam. Yeah, exactly. Who's the biggest jam manufacturer? I don't even know. In the UK, I guess it would be Robinson's. Oh. Imagine like a thousand kilograms of Robinson's strawberry jam just there in the middle of the stadium. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh one last thing I want to say about this is like, if you're interested in this kind of thing, uh, two things you should know. A, I, th I think the time and money spent there is worth it. It will be an amazing experience, most likely at least. And the second thing is that it's probably going to cost you quite a bit because yes. I think then, yeah, you need to travel there. You need to get hotels and stuff like that and cover the food as well and well basically you cover everything you just take part of this thing and be prepared for a lot of waiting and rehearsing and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that but still all of that was a lot of fun and definitely worth it obviously we were taken care of really really well by the Hughes and Getting team and I'm super thankful for that but even without it I think it's it's fun I highly recommend yeah, I mean, it, it if you're going on your own, like, I think you have to show up maybe 
three or four, even five days before the event to register yeah. and get allocated your place and get the special equipment that you need, like the special headphones where you hear everything that's going on. You spend maybe three days of rehearsals and those are pretty full on days. And then you play the gig and then the day after, I think you tear it all down and go home. Or maybe you can go on the night. I'm not sure about that, but you will be mm. there at least four or five days and, and you'll have to pay for your travel to get there. You'll have to pay for your accommodation. You'll have to, you know, take your own instrument and hope that nothing happens to it or anything like that. If you're a drummer, yep. you'll have to leave your drum kit in a field in Frankfurt next to the stadium, probably, if that's uh, if that's how it's going to yep. be run like it was last time. And yeah, it's it's definitely not cheap, but it's potentially the experience of a lifetime. And I talked to a lot of people before, during, and after the event. I went round and we did a pretty good documentary, which is on the Hughes and Kettner YouTube channel, where I talked to, to you guys after you did the show. Yeah. And, you know, some of these jaded YouTubers, they don't get excited about anything because they've been there and done it all already. But <laughs> these guys were just, you could sense that they just had what was probably a life-changing experience in some ways. Just this amazing kind of communal feel of playing the music together and performing in front of, it was about 25,000 people, I think. Or twenty yeah, thousand. Yeah, when we did it, so it a was lot. a lot of people, and it it was an amazing experience. Yep, definitely. So yeah, yeah, we're going to drop a link in the show notes if you want to check out the Grand Jam 2020. 2022. So many twenties in one word. Wait a yeah. second. What's the date of the Grand Jam twenty twenty two? Uh, what? June twenty fifth. Okay. Yeah. That just, it just when you said so many events happening in 2022, that triggered something in my mind. And I just realized that <laughs> the NAMM show 2022 is happening in June as well. They don't clash, but this event is happening on the same weekend as the Sweetwater Gear Fest. So yeah. that will curb the enthusiasm of a few people who are involved in brand stuff or industry stuff. That's true. Yeah, we're going to drop a link to in the show notes if you want to find out more and if you're going please let us know I, we would love to hear that so yeah that's that Rich you have an album pick for us it is time to reveal what it is and you've already told me that I'm not going to know what it, what the album is or like I don't know the band or anything like that so yeah I'm about to Find new stuff to listen to. Let's jump there next. Like plastic on a CD shelf, these are the albums of our lives. My album pick of this week is a deliberately slightly more obscure one, perhaps. But it's one of the albums which I have listened to one of the most, probably in my lifetime. Partly because it's short as well, so it can have repeated listening sessions and it's under an hour still but it's from a uk-based band called breaks who are named breaks 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 in the usa because there was another band called breaks and this <laughs> is their first album which is called give blood and it was released in 2005 on rough trade records which is one of the coolest indie labels out there based in london and new york i think but anyway, Breaks were something or are something. They're kind of 
I don't know if they're still going. I get the feeling that they still sort of exist, but they don't do anything anymore. Give Blood was their first album released in 2005, and, and breaks were made up, or are made up, of four guys. You've got Eamon Hamilton, who is the singer and acoustic guitar player, and I think he was probably the primary songwriter. He originally started Breaks as a solo project. You have Thomas and Alex White on lead guitar and drums, respectively. And of course, anyone listening who likes UK indie music will know that Tom and Alex White are from the Electric Soft Parade originally, another amazing British-based indie band. And the bass player is a guy called Mark Beattie, who was in a band called The Tenderfoots and was a studio guy based in Brighton in the south of England, where the rest of these guys were when they formed the band and where they recorded this album. And it's something of a supergroup in a way because Eamon Hamilton, the singer, was also a member of British Sea Power, another legendary British UK indie band, who this year also renamed themselves. They're now just called Sea Power, so they took the term British out of their band name for whatever reason. You can find out why they did that on the internet. And these guys came together, recorded and released and mixed and did everything to the album in seven days. Breaks are another country, punk, folk, pop, weird sort of a band. They're very sort of spiky in terms of indie. They have sarcastic humor in their lyrics. It's all very well written in terms of the words. Sophisticated songwriting, but combined with simple, punky melodies and instrumentation. It's a very raw sounding record as well. Like I said, it was all done within the space of a week. So very, very quickly. And I assume at minimal expense, there's, I think, <laughs> 16 songs on the record. I don't have it in front of me. Can you scroll uh, down that page there, Vlad? Yeah, 16 tracks yes. on the record. Yes. And as I said, some of the songs are very, very short indeed. Some of them are less than 10 seconds long. Some of them are about three and a half minutes long. Most of them are about two minutes long. So it's a very, very fun album. If I was to compare it to anybody else, I couldn't really because they sound so different. So Eamon Hamilton has a very specific sort of a voice. If you like it, you'll love it. If you don't like it, you won't enjoy the band at all. Tom White, the guitar player, is a very inventive and melodic lead player. He does very atmospheric guitar stuff on his solo records and with the Electric Soft Parade. But he's also a great multi-instrumentalist as well. And he does some great guitar breaks on this record. Alex White, the drummer, great drummer. He's not known as a drummer really, but he is an amazing drummer. And Mark Beattie, the bass player. Yeah, top bass player. I don't really know what else to say about the bass player. But I would thoroughly recommend this album to anyone who enjoys anything punky, anything a bit folky, and likes a bit of humor in their lyrics occasionally. It does get a little bit political at some points, but nothing too much, I would say. Now, Breaks have three albums. This was the first one. There are two more, and depending on how many more episodes of this show that we do, the other two records will definitely find their way into this mm. Albums of Our Life segment because they're all amazing. And in the end, I chose to do Give Blood first because it was their first album. When it came out in 2005, I would have been at uni and I would have just been listening to it all the time as I walked backwards and forwards between seminars and stuff like that. I've listened to it about 10 times over the course of the past week since I decided I was going to do it in this show. And I love it. And the funny thing is about listening to albums like this as well is that, you know, I'm a guitar player, I write songs, I write lyrics as well, and I can really hear the influence of these guys on what I do, you know? It's quite simple stuff, but some of the riffs, if you listen to that record and you've watched my YouTube channel, you'll probably recognize half of it, where mm. it's coming from. So 
Breaks have been a very influential band on me. I, I love this record. It's a whole lot of fun. You only need about 25 minutes to get through all 16 tracks. So do it immediately. Yep. Thank you. You're just looking at the, uh, the runtime of the album is 28 minutes. <laughs> 28 it's, minutes, a bit longer than I yeah. thought. Yeah, it's not your typical Dream Theater album, so... Yeah. I was going to say Dream Theater probably have some songs that are longer than this whole album. <laughs> Bless you. I think the longest song <laughs> might be longer than that one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's a totally different thing, you know. And <clears throat> I think already this segment of the show has become really interesting straight away because the records that you're choosing and the records that I'm choosing are really kind of, you know, I think we said it last week. It's a bunch of dudes with guitars, bass and drums and vocals, but it's so different. There are so many yeah. different creative options that you have to create records that will move people in different ways. So, yeah, if anyone likes the other recommendations that I've made so far, give breaks a try and fingers crossed you'll find something new to enjoy. Yeah. It sounds interesting because I like the idea of what, going to the studio and just recording the whole thing in a very short time span. Uh as you mentioned, I think you can, like, with a lot of albums, you can kind of hear it, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, sometimes some artists spend, like, years and years trying to get an album out. Guns and Roses. And, <laughs> but, and it's it still doesn't mean that it's like a masterpiece. And then there's the other side of things where you head into the studio record the stuff there and get out. And, yeah. Except, actually, if you're the Beatles, the documentary film thing with his last week, uh, I think they had, like, a two weeks to record and release an album. Or, like, write and release an album there. Something absolutely crazy. Uh, hey, the Beatles did their first album in one day. <laughs> I think I'm right in saying that. You might be right. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. And it was, of course, all recorded live, you know? Yeah. So there's that, uh, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, what can you say after that? Like, even doing it in a week or two weeks, whatever it was here, like, even that feels very, very... Yeah, come on, guys. You're you're really on. slow doing it in a week. I know, I know. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Beatles is that like when they started, you know, they, they cut their teeth playing in Germany, playing in Hamburg, and mm. they were an amazing kind of rock and roll sort of covers band. And there were covers on their first record as well, and they just were able to go into the studio and just smash through those tracks. Yeah. For, was it with the Beatles, the first one? I'm really bleary-eyed today, and I can't remember exactly, but yeah, they just went through it, and they did multiple takes of each one and then it was done and i yeah. always remember reading that the last one that they did on the day was twist and shout the cover with john lennon on the lead vocals and they had to make that the last one because he would have shredded his vocals so much on the take that they couldn't mm -hmm. do it again so he just said okay i'm going to give it everything and then we're done and that's an amazing record yep definitely yeah, uh, I'm going to give this a listen later today, probably when I'll be doing some other work, because it sounds interesting. And as I mentioned, I went back to the 59 sound we talked about a few weeks ago, and 
again, was reminded how much I like that album, and I also enjoyed the At The Drive-In. So I'm discovering new music or being reminded about the old music I had heard before of how good it is. Uh, yeah, let's talk about, um, how should I put it? Producing commercial stuff with uh, budget-friendly gear. Uh, we are doing the questions and comments section, but we actually have just one question slash comment. Uh, well, it's a, it's a question, yeah. But I think it was such a great one that we wanted to include it in the show. Let's jump the next. Questions and comments. As I mentioned, we have just one question, and the question is from... Ah, come on, I always forget to do this. question is from Simple Slave, and he asked this question Mm -hmm. on my recording pop punk uh, with Boss Katana 100 Mark II using the USB out. So basically, I took the Boss Katana amp I had and used it as an audio interface and recorded the whole song using just that thing. And... He's asking a great question of, is there a particular reason why you wouldn't use the Katana to record a commercial album? Thanks. And before I give you my answer, Rich, if you were in my position of recording the commercial album, would you record it with a Boss Katana Mark 100 Mark II? Well, let me first ask you, without giving anything away, did you say in the video that you wouldn't? use a katana to record a commercial album honestly i don't remember most likely i didn't that's what i get from the question but for me personally let's work out first what a commercial album would be i guess that means like a record that you'd want to be putting on spotify or using it to to further your cause as a band trying to trying to make it or whatever you want to call it so a proper record effectively. And me personally, sitting here in 2021, having been at home for the last two years, don't know what happened there, sitting at home for the last two years, I would have no problems personally whatsoever using a katana on any kind of record. I reckon there's probably devices like that all over a bunch of records that we hear on the radio. Well, guitar tracks anyway. But for me personally, I would have no issues with it whatsoever because I think once you get into the mix situation... 99.999% of people won't hear a difference between that and some amazing tube amp, you know. We've all seen that video of John Mayer playing through a tiny little modeling amp. I can't remember what it was. We we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, a bit longer than that, but, you know, you can make records that sound amazing with affordable gear these days. 20 years ago, I would have said those terrible little combo practice amps that we all had, you definitely wouldn't want to put one of those on a record, but with a katana, no. you can go straight into the desk and you have so many options, even at home. You know, even someone like me who is an amateur to tweak in five minutes and make a katana sound like an amazing record. So I would have no problems whatsoever with doing it. I'd imagine there would be some people who would be. There are some people who really have a specific tone in their heads that they want to go for and you can only reach that certain tone with certain devices. And that's fine. That's cool. That I have no problem with that whatsoever. But from my own personal angle, there is no issue with using a katana in any setting. Yeah. So what do you so, think? So my take is a bit different in the sense that 
I have absolutely like I don't care that much how your tones were achieved. Like we're talking about the guitar tones here, but the thing is like uh, I've been a guitar player for I don't know twenty years. I've been recording and more and more producing stuff as well over the past six seven years or so, and. I'm basically like I admit I'm pretty obsessed about guitar tone. I'm like I need my guitar tone to be like as good as possible to get as much excited as possible, if that makes sense. So the only problem with katana and a lot of other things as well, and like even plugins, like yeah, Amstein plugins, is that I get lost in the options and I get lost in all the different things you can tweak in them and a that takes away from the creative like it takes time from the creative process and it also kind of wears me out at some point and i lose focus on like hey i'm supposed to like write this exciting part here and instead i'm like tweaking like okay this is pretty good but i need to tweak the eq around 400 hertz and why isn't the top end on the guitar tone as good and that's like uh, that's something that doesn't happen when I just have my clean amp and bunch of pedals I'm really familiar with. I immediately get the tones I want. So, yeah, that's actually what I replied to. What was the nickname? I already forgot. It was something Simple funny. Slave. Simple Slave, indeed. Yeah, that's exactly what I replied to. Simple Slave as well, because uh, to me personally... I need the gear to be simple. It, it's not even about like, oh, I. it has to be a two, a bump. It has to be something, something, something. No, it's not that. It's like, if you present me with, like, if you present me too many options, uh, I actually kind of get lost. And that's why I prefer something like few pedals and an amp. And then I can work within that context instead of like having Katana Mark 2 has 10, 15, 20 different amps, about 7 billion different pedals because they've modeled like every single boss pedal that's out there. So they are in there and there's EQs and all kinds of stuff. And like you can get great sounds. I don't think even like got the best out of that amp in that particular video. And yeah, I just get lost. I'm really stuck to a certain kind of workflow and I don't want to break from that just because it helps me to focus. Like I found a thing, like the workflow that helps me to get most stuff done, the best time ring is all, or like the balance between getting the most stuff done in least amount of time with the best possible result. And I'm old enough to get starting to get into this phase where I'm just stuck in my ways I don't want to change. <laughs> so yeah, that's my long rambling answer. Uh, like sound-wise, I think you can make the katana sound amazing. Especially like, I wish there was, would be an option to disable the built-in IRs. Or at least I haven't found, don't remember finding that because if you could use external IRs with that thing, I think it would even up the uh, sound quality even more. It comes with three different cabinets I think that you can use on the output and if you would be able to disable those yeah it's good I mean it's a great device and yeah I mean I guess, what, uh, well yeah I, I totally understand and agree with your point of view as well 
I think I took it more literally, the question in that it's about recording, the physical act of recording. So mm. for me, it would be about, I find the sounds that I want, and now it's time to record my guitar sound. And is that guitar sound of a good enough quality that I will be happy with it and my listeners will be happy with it? And for me personally, I feel like, what's your amp of choice? A, a Rev D20 that you yeah. use as kind of a, a clean platform with pedals? I don't think that anyone would notice any difference if you have the Rev D20 with those pedals or if you dialed in a great clean tone with the Katana and used the same pedals. For me, there would More be no difference. Nice. And yeah, you know, we all hear tone differently and for you there would be. And th that's cool, I respect that, but I feel like it's something that would not put me off using the Katana. I would use the D20 if I had the option to use the D20 but in terms of limitations, I wouldn't say that the katana lacks the quality to be able to do that. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, re I mean that's a, that's a great point because it's it's more about psychology of act the actual recording process than well, like what I'm talking about is more about the like psychology of recording and just kind of knowing my weaknesses as uh, like a producer and recording engineer and a guitar player as well. And kind of working around those to get most out of the time I have available at any given moment, and yeah, yeah. that's why like, that's why I wouldn't use the katana because it would I would focus on things that aren't actually important. So it's probably sitting like with a graphic EQ and tweak for way too long instead of actually recording stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess it comes concept, down to yeah. Carry on. Yeah, as a concept, like I have no, I would have no trouble recording with katana on a commercial album I, I that would actually would be kind of cool so like somebody would come and ask like hey how did you make that track sound so good yeah i just used the katana well you know actually, so kind of many of the there. world's top players use boss pedals that cost 50 yeah. bucks they're on so many pedal exactly. boards for a reason but it, but it's all about the context isn't it and imagine if you know, you were going to record an album and you were at, let's just say, Abbey Road Studios, the studio in London, and you went in there and in the guitar room they had a Marshall Plexi half stack and they had a Boss Katana combo. Which one would you go for? <laughs> easy question, right? But It is an easy know, question, but yeah, I get, I get what, you're, what the point. But yeah, that's the thing, like, I don't think you can like discount the uh, kind of inspiration a piece of gear can give you. Like if it gets in your head into the right mindset and inspires you, then that's the right piece of gear for you. And that's simple as that. Whatever makes you play more, whatever makes you more excited about playing and recording more, that's the gear you need to get. And whether it's very cheap or whether it's very simple or whether it has 7,000 different sounds, we have all the options available, and that's great. I'll, yeah, I would yeah, exactly. go for old, I, old stack, but just because of the vibes, not necessarily because it would sound better. That's the thing, the vibes, the context as well. But I, I think yeah. we can both agree on the fact that in terms of pure quality, there is nothing stopping anyone recording with the Boss Katana at any level because it can be great. But at the end of the day... It's also about what inspires you to make the best take mm. for your record. And if that's a Katana or a Rev D20 or a Marshall Plexi at Abbey Road Studios, 
you've got to go with what's best for you and based on your budget and time constraints as well. So that was a good question. I feel like we could really have had a whole kind of full-length debate about that and maybe brought in some Katana experts as well to get their opinions on it. That is true. But yeah, thank you so much for that question. You like actually made me think, like re- really think like, uh, I used to have, like, I have to admit I used to have this, uh, I don't know, annoyance about modelers, for example, and only later I realized that it was mainly because I, like, I just don't enjoy tweaking them. There's something about having too many options that, and I don't know. I just noticed that like, when I don't like sound on a model, I just skip to the next one and then the next one. And if you have 150 different amps, I'm never happy. Whereas if yeah, I have a simple I, I would amp, agree with and, that. Yeah. And a couple of pedals, like, there's enough like options to tweak from to figure stuff out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, I I would definitely discourage anybody from thinking tomorrow I'm going to record my song with my Boss Katana and not knowing what tone they want exactly and then coming to their recording session just with the amp as a blank canvas and saying, okay, I know what I want to record in terms of song. Now I'm going to tweak my tone because you could be sat there for hours. That's definitely a disadvantage yeah. compared to a simple amp that has a bass kick-ass tone that you can maybe use with pedals or whatever. But yeah, yeah. These days, we're lucky that even modelers sound amazing on records. Whether they yep. feel good enough and inspire you to perform at your best is a different discussion for a different day as well. But yes. it would be really interesting okay. to hear what Mr. or Mrs. Simple Slave thinks about what we've said. So hopefully, Simple Slave has watched this and can write you back another answer or something. Yeah, exactly. All right. Before we wrap up the show, time for a weekend watch, and we have something. I'm just gonna say it's a lot of fun. Weekend watch next. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Video. It's not like we have anything else to do. Yeah, this week's weekend watch is brought to you by Gear Gods, and more specifically Trey Xavier, uh, with the video "How Ghost Writes a Song." Ghost is this. Uh, I think the Swedish band, a bit mysterious one. Uh, it's a weird, weird little band. Well, not little, they're pretty huge. They write this, I'm going to say, they 70s kind of prog rock slash metal songs. Uh, the lead singer dresses as a Catholic priest and all of the band members are just called ghouls. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, li- I like bands like these with a bit of mystery and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, Trey made a f- super fun video from their like band rehearsals. Also, <laughs> like yeah, basically like the main guy gets a word from his master that hey, we need a new song, and then they go through the process. And he kind of this cool little details of like how Ghost writes a song. He drops them in like okay, you need uh, like a major chord, then you need a uh, like a minus us chord, and then back to the major chord or something like that. And uh, in the end, he writes a really cool song with the band as well. And shout out to Trey for being able to mimic the vocal style of the ghost singer so well as well. 
this is a really fun video. One of the best I've seen from him. So well done. And also like a lot of good jokes there. So check it out. Hey, maybe wouldn't this be crazy? Trey is ghost. Oh, that would explain a lot. I think might maybe. Uh, I think Ghost might have had at least two different lead singers as well over time. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe they were both Trey. Mm. But no, <laughs> I, I <laughs> that would be the need to watch this video. To do ever, like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, we, we're, we're getting a new lead singer. No, I think it's, he's called Papa Emeridus or some, something like that. Uh, I Please, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think... Uh, the new guy was just called Papa Emeritus 2 or something like that. I'm not 100% sure. And yeah, so <laughs> that, that would be the best thing to do. Like exactly the same guy, just, just like a different outfit for the person or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Fun. But yeah, as Why you not? can see, like the produ production quality of this video is great and fun. Yeah, Trey has stepped it up a notch. It looks, oh, it looks yes. really fun. I'm just looking at the images and the way the the ghouls are reacting physically. It just it's funny without even hearing what they're saying. So yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this one. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's, I, I I'd like to say that there's like a amazing payoff at the end because the song they actually kind of write well is really really good and very ghost style. So yeah. Highly, highly recommend you check this out. And yeah, that wraps up Cat Big Fridays episode number 34. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And again, if you want to be part of the show, shoot us an email or write a comment on the YouTube and we might include you in the show. You can email us at catpigstudios, not catpigstudios, podcast at catpigstudios.com. And yeah. Shoot us an email and be part of the show. And unless something drastic happens, I don't know why I'm saying this, but we should be back next week again with a bunch of new things to check out together. And yeah, have a great weekend. Thank you, Rich, for joining me once again. Bye, podcast. Bye, podcast. <laughs>